British Art Talks from the Paul Mellon Centre, championing new ways of understanding British art, history and culture. Welcome to episode three of the autumn series of British Art Talks. I am Anna Reid, Head of Research at the Paul Mellon Centre. Ryan Gander was born in Chester in 1976. In 2017, he was awarded an OBE for his services to contemporary arts. His inventive, shape-shifting works materialise in many different forms, ranging from sculpture and writing to architecture, painting and performance. Ryan's engagement with art histories is not without mischief. In his 2006 work, A Future Lorum Ipsum, Gander invented a palindromic word, mitim, designed to be inserted, uncommented on, into newspapers, magazines, crosswords or everyday speech, a meaning a mythical word newly introduced into history as if it had always been there. In this episode, an array of contemporary artists are enlisted in a quixotic project and a race against the clock. The voices of 50 artists make a set of remarkable numbers, a countdown from 50 in bingo calls. The funny, rhyming calls evoke a history of a game of pure chance, based on random numbers dating from the early 18th century in Britain. They include visual puns, enigmatic idiom, indicators of social class and religious identity. They speak of clandestine activity, village halls, commercial leisure. First, a story, part of a beat poem narrated by Ryan as author to his daughter, Penny, in a disarming and semi-autobiographical form. A history of the artist navigating, inventing, transforming, ludic in time. Um, wheels, headphones, colours, bottles, snacks, computers, grass, lollies, Can you tell me a story? Yeah, what type of story do you want? Burglar Bill. I can't tell you that without the book. Oh. But I have written one. Do you want me to read you that one? Yeah. Do you know why we're here? No. We're here because I'm going to read something that I wrote. It's a bit like a story, um, and it's for people to listen to on the headphones, like on the radio. What do you think? Great. What is the story about? I'm not entirely sure, but I think it's a little bit about time. What is time? Time is the stuff that makes up your life. Time is the thing that happens between being born leaving the planet. Why would you leave the planet? Well, good question. Well, because your time's up. You know, the thing about time is, you know, time sometimes feel like it's going really, really fast and sometimes it feels like it's going slow. Yeah. I mean, really slow. Yeah. Sometimes... Time feels like it goes fast, but sometimes it feels like it goes slow. Exactly. When does it feel like it goes slow? 
when you're doing boring stuff and not doing stuff that makes your brain strong. So does time go fast or slow at playtime? Fast. When you're asleep, does time go fast or slow? Slow. So should I start? Should I just read it to you then? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so there's three types, three ways of reading it. I can read it in three ways, okay? Okay. So which way do you want me to read it? Well, what ways are there? You were born in Chester in 1976, or I was born in Chester in 1976, or he was born in Chester in 1976. Middle. Middle? Are you sure? The middle one, the the second one you read. The one that goes, he was born in Chester? Yeah, he was born in Chester. That one, yeah? I don't know what that one is. That one? Yeah. Okay, ready? Mm Mm-hmm. He was born in Chester in 1976. And there's some things in it called footnotes. you know what footnotes are? Do you want to read them out? Do you know what a footnote is? No. What's a footnote? A footnote is when there's extra information that's attached to the text, but it's at the bottom of the page. So there's usually a little number. It says number one, and then it says a little bit more information. So you can read them, yeah? Okay. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Footnote 1, footnote 2, footnote 3, footnote 4. I don't know what footnote 1 is. Okay, do you ever use footnotes at school? Yeah. Exactly. Should I read you the story now? Okay, here we go. He was born in Chester in 1976. Footnote 1. Artist biography. Dad, is stop there. Is this story about you? Could be. Not, not the reality of me, but it could be me. Could be anyone. He realises early on that some people will be blessed, others will suffer. Footnote 2. Alvin Toffler, Future Shock, 1970. And that his agency is not subjective. He didn't walk through a wall to get here today. He came through a door. Footnote 3. James Williams. Notes taken by the artist. During a lecture at Princeton University, 2019. Why did he come through a door? Because only ghosts can walk through walls. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it means that we all think we have free choice, but even choice has restrictions. He knows that the world is not within his control, and so he begins to search for positive fictions to live inside. There is a moment as a teenager where he gains a fascination in the value of things. Footnote 4 You, he, I began to save money to buy BMW, becoming motivated by money. But especially in the value of non-physical things, those immaterial things, spirits, gods, boundaries, tribes, laws, myths, flags, money and corporations. Why is it gods? 
God is not physical. He's not real. He's imaginary. So you use your daydreaming to imagine him. What other things are not real? Dragons. Dinosaurs were real a long time ago. So dragons, unicorns, and things like ghosts, and snakes, and snakes are real. But some snakes, like with horns, aren't real, or guinea pigs with horns. If these things have a physical element, it is little more than a piece of cloth or paper or a small chunk of earth. It is in their immaterial aspect which we dream up and project onto the physical world, where their power and importance lies. Footnote 5. John Higgs. The future starts here. Adventures in the 21st century, 2019. Why is it we dream? Because if things aren't real, then you dream to imagine. Mm. To imagine what they represent mm. is using your imagination, and imagination is the same as daydreaming. Mm. So basically, like, you could daydream. So maybe if I was awake and I thought about a lizard with a horn sneaking up to me and grabbing me and eating me, and I thought about that in the middle of the day, would that be a daydream? Yeah, daydreaming's pretty good for you, isn't it? As he enters high school, he becomes obsessed with semiotic natural signs. The study of them becomes his hobby. The way some rich people try to look poor, while some poor people try to look rich. He is intrigued by the way values are relative. The way one could be little rich in America, but with the same amount of capital, be big rich in Britain. Footnote 6. Big rich, little rich concept. Told by Nicholas Logsdale. He starts to research early on about the sociology of absolute and relative poverty, as well as breadline Britain and necessities, comforts and luxuries. He reads Talcock Parsons, Max Weber and Emile Durkheim. Footnote 7. A-level sociology taught by Anne Turner at Bishop's High School in Chester, Cheshire, UK. He tries to find the notion of excess in everything. Footnote 8. Incidentally, it would take four Earths, or to be precise, 3.9 Earths, to sustain a population of 7 billion at current American levels of consumption. Dad, stop there a minute. What is excess? Excess is when you have more than you need. So, like, if I was really rich and I demanded for more? Yeah, basically. I was the queen and I demanded for more. Would that be excess? Yeah. What have you got that's excess, Penny? I've got more Lego from boxes than I need because I've got five. How many do you need? Four.
annually, he wonders if he will outlive Overshoot Day. Footnote 9 22nd of August 2020 Earth Overshoot Day Marks the date when humanity's demand for ecological resources and services in a given year exceeds what Earth can regenerate in that year. Why outlive Overshoot Day? Overshoot Day is the day... Where they shoot like a world war. It's the day in the world where we use more in the world than the world's got. So, like, we go out to space and find more toys and then bring them into the world? When we run out, that's Overshoot Day. We run out of stuff on Overshoot Day? Yeah, basically. Why? Because we're all greedy. Why are we greedy? Because we think more is, yeah, better or makes us happier, something like that. Why happier? I don't know, because because we're only human, I guess. What makes you happy? Toys and playing and school. Overshoot Day soon replaces his birthday as a marker. In his early 20s, he moves to Amsterdam. A friend anecdotally tells him at a party that at his current rate of reading, he will only manage 80 more books before he dies. Why is it so sad? Why? It's not sad. Do you think it's sad? Sort of. Because he dies. Yeah, that bit's a bit sad. That's the thing about running out, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That at his current rate of reading, he will only manage 80 more books before he dies. He's taken drugs, and so this has a profound effect on him. Footnote 10. Shariat Nishat. Wait a minute, what are drugs? Like tablets, but the doctor says you shouldn't take them and the doctor doesn't give you them. And they make you feel and act a bit strange. Mm-hmm. He begins to obsess about his limited future, so empty, so abstract. He begins to intentionally run late for appointments, with the idea that this will prolong his existence. This doesn't work well. It causes a great deal of conflict in his already ever-decreasing life and consumes valuable time. Dad, wait a minute, what is decreasing? That's another word for running out as well. So, like, I'm running out of food, I'm running out of water, I'm running out of stuff, I'm running out of technology, I'm running out of speakers, I'm running out of ceiling, I'm running out of grass, I'm running out of plants. So, like, that you don't have anything anymore. They're almost disappeared. So, like, I've only got two pieces of food left. Okay, do you want me to carry on? Okay, carry on. He realises that he only ever commits new experiences to memory, which seems to slow time, to stretch time, and so he executes a plan to relocate to a different city every single year on overshoot day. He aims for large cities and always tries to find temporary accommodation in the most densely populated areas, 
in a hope to increase his experience to time ratio. This prevents him from making strong bonds with people. His inability to settle down means he doesn't have a family. He is alone. He is running for time, chasing a worry. Hashtag pre-worry is a distant memory. Footnote 11. You can search for this. It's a hashtag. He is running on time all the time. A fuel as exhaustible as the charms of Gaia philosophy. His obsessions become his insecurity blanket of deceit. He begins to avoid mirrors. In his apartment, he covers all the reflective surfaces with bedsheets. He fears watching himself grow old. On occasion, when he does see his reflection, a strange intermittent form of prosopagnosia takes hold. What's prosopagnosia? It's a disease where you can't remember people's faces so everyone looks new to you every time you see them. So that means, like, I'm a random person now. Yeah, that's exactly it, that's right. So if I had it and I looked at you and then I'd think I was just sitting in a room with a stranger. Yeah, weird idea, innit? A strange, intermittent form of prosopagnosia takes hold. He deletes Instagram from his phone as he can't stand the idea that the story has just run out and that he might miss one. He's in such a hurry he begins to put himself at increased risk. When conversing, he begins to miss the words at the end of... That's it. So why did you end it strangely? Uh, I thought it would be good to end the story reading what the story itself was doing. Mm-hmm. So I ended it like this. Uh, it begins to miss the words at the end of... Yeah, so like you've got to do sensible choices, like go to school and learn. That's the funny thing about counting down, isn't it? It goes to an end and the thing about time is it runs out, but you don't know when it runs out. So, like, if I was sitting in this room just doing nothing, sitting down, would that be a waste of time? Or if I was sleeping in the day and I was not a baby, that would be wasting time. Because you do need to sleep. And you've got a whole, like, 17 hours to sleep at midnight. So you can sleep then, but use your daytime with all the things that you like doing, like gymnastics or drawing or karate or origami. Are you scared the story's a bit boring for people? Yeah, I'm I'm always scared of everything that I do. Did you want to be a writer instead of an artist? I want to be everything. That's my biggest problem. What do you want to be? I don't know. I don't know what I want to be. Actually, I've got a, a gymnast teacher. That's a good idea. Hey, I've just thought of something. Bedtime. So you actually are doing something at bedtime. You're using your time of sleeping... Yeah, time is everywhere. Everyone's dealing with time in time, aren't they? Mm-hmm.
You know, when I use the word time the most, is negative or bad? Mm. Like, I'm running out of time, I don't have enough time, I wish I had more time. Or if you actually get on and do it, you have enough time? OK, because the story is about time running out, mm -hmm. or a person actually worrying about time running out all the time, mm -hmm. I also thought it would be nice to ask 50 artists, British artists... British artists? ..to count down... British? ..to count down backwards. Do you know why they're going to count down backwards? No. Why do you think? Maybe... I don't know. Well, because when you count down backwards, it shows that time's going to run out. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any examples when you count down or you count out loud in your life? I count out live when I play hide and seek and when I'm counting on a number string and when I'm counting on um, cards or stuff like that. Do you ever count backwards? Sometimes. Can you count backwards from ten now? Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. So it's like in hide and seek when you count backwards for or forwards, so like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, that shows that your time is running out for hiding. Okay, mate, should we go home? Okay. Come on, it's tea time. Have we had lunch? Yeah, we've had lunch. Do you want to hear the countdown? The bingo calls? Mm-hmm. Okay, here goes. PC 49. It's almost too late. Number 48. 46. Up to tricks. Halfway there. 44. Droopy drawers. Down on your knees. 43. Winnie is a poo. 42. Time for fun. 41. Life begins at 40. Those famous steps. More than 11, 37. Three dozen, 36. Jump and jive, 35. Ask for more, 34. All the threes, 33. Eve Klein Blue, 32. Get up and run, 31. Number 30, dirty gurdy. 29, rise and shine. In a state, overweight, gateway to heaven, 27, pick a mix, 26, 25, duck and dive.
thee and me. Two little ducks, 22. <coughs> 21. Key of the door. Nineteen. Goodbye, teens. Coming of age. Eighteen. The Dancing Queen, 17. Sweet 16, I've never been kissed. <sighs> Young and keen, 15. Valentine's Day, number 14. Unlucky for some, 13. One dozen. Bojo's Den, number 10. Number 9, Doctor's Orders. 8, Garden Gate. 7, Lucky 7. Tom Mix, number 6, I said Tom Mix, number 6. Tom Mix, number 6, I said Tom Mix, number 6. Tom Mix, number 6, I said Tom Mix, number 6. Number six. Man alive. Number five. Knock at the door. Number four. Cup of tea. One little duck. He actually went for my homie. So my only. Number one. Thank you to Ryan Gander for this episode of British Art Talks. Thanks also to Penny and our 50 artist contributors who are listed on the Paul Mellon Centre website. There you can also find other episodes in this series, Leaving the House with Lucy Scare and The Gothic with Elizabeth Price. Thank you for listening. This episode was written and produced by Ryan Gander with Loftus Media.